I'm going to ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Today's the final message in a series that we've been doing called Hoarders. And I pray that while you're doing this, you're cleaning out your garage. Come on, somebody. You're cleaning out your car, man. You're going into the attic and saying, why, why, why have I collected all this stuff, man? I remember I was helping somebody clean out a house one time. They had more upstairs in the attic than they had in their house. Come on, somebody. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you right now. That's, that's who he's talking to. And so, you know, people collect. And we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about collectors. And last week we talked about relationships. If you weren't here last week, man, I want to encourage you to go on to iTunes, go on to our website, listen to the podcast, go on to Facebook, listen to the message. We talked about relationships and, 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 and hoarding and, and how people collect relationships. And they got relationships all in the wrong order. And so we talked about how to put relationships in the right order. And so this week we want to talk about something different as we end this series. I believe it's going to be a good word for you today. And we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And here's what we're going to read. We're going to read verses 4 through 6. So let's put it on the screen for you. You could follow along on your notes. You could follow along uh, as I read today in your Word, in your Bibles, or on your tablets or phones. It says, For the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down, watch this word, strongholds, strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now watch verse 4, it says, for the weapons of our warfare. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are in a battle. It is not a horizontal battle. It is a vertical battle. It is a spiritual battle. It is a war. And the Bible says that we are in a war. And we don't fight the same kind of battle that you would fight here on the earth. It's a different battle. You need a different strategy, right? And so, but it is a war. But it says that our war is not carnal, but it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds strongholds and here's what the enemy tries to do over your lifetime as he tries to come into your life and develop strongholds strongholds and that word in the Greek literally means this it literally means castle or fortress something that is that is very difficult to penetrate and if and if you've ever been dealing and struggling with something over your lifetime you know that some people carry these strongholds throughout their lifetime and they're unable to break them over their whole life see for some people because i was in a seminar one time and they were talking about addictions and they were talking about difficulties and people who struggle and and somebody raised their hand and say hey i have a question and, and they were talking to the person who is who is you know giving the lecture and, and they said do you believe that people have to hit rock bottom before they can turn their life around and the man stood up and he said well here's what i believe i believe for some people rock bottom is dead See, some people never are able over their lifetime to break an addiction or to break a stronghold. And, I, and when we say the word addiction, I know our mind immediately goes to drugs or immediately goes to alcohol. But listen, a, a stronghold is anything that you've been trying to stop, but you haven't been able to stop. You haven't been able to. Here's, here's an easy way to put it. It's the thing that you keep putting on your resolution every year. 
Huh? Every year you go, this year, now this is the year where I'm going to stop and just fill in the blank. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop getting angry. Come on now. I'm going to stop the road rage. He's talking to you now. I'm talking to myself with that one. Anybody ever, you know? Dad, you know, I had my kids tell me, calm down many times, you know? And so, so whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whether it's pornography, whether it, it is drugs or alcohol, or whether it's just, just something that you're struggling with in your thought life. Because here's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a collection of thoughts. A collection of thoughts that holds us in bondage to a lie from the enemy. It's always about a lie. Listen to me. It is always about a lie. It's always about a lie. And they're not easy to break. That's why they're called fortresses, strongholds, right? But here's the good news, right? The good news is, is that they can be broken. The good news is, is that God has equipped us. The good news is that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty. Hallelujah. They are mighty, right? So we just have to defeat the lies of the enemy and, and tear down the walls and the fortresses and, and, and the lies that the enemy has, has built up over our lifetime. Because if you are here and you're 40 years old, you've had 40 years of the enemy trying to come in and develop strongholds in your life. And it starts, listen, when you're young, starts when you're young. He comes in, man. He comes in and he tries to develop these thought patterns, these collection of thoughts, because that's really what a stronghold is. Listen, I, t- I said last week that, that if you're going to hoard something, don't hoard spouses, because we talked about the woman at the well last week in John chapter 4, and that was good advice for everybody. Don't hoard spouses. You only need one over your lifetime, right? Come on, somebody say, that's right. But... What's worse than that and what leads to really people collecting other things is when we collect thoughts. We collect thoughts. And that's really what a stronghold is. It's a collection of thoughts. But the good news is, is that God has equipped us. Yeah. Watch this, Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking, and I love this verse, and if you go into the message, and and, and it's just a paraphrase, the message Bible, it's not to be used for theology, but it's great to read as a paraphrase, and and here's what it says, it says he's talking about the strong man, and I love the way Jesus put it, it says, okay, if you have a strong man who's developed a a strong area, right, And, and he's fortified, and he's got his weapons, he says this, but in Luke chapter 11, it says, but what if... What if someone stronger comes in, watch this, with superior weapons? Huh? Then if he comes in and he's stronger and he's got superior weapons, he's able to defeat the strong man and to take what that guy has from that guy. And so what I believe is this. You are that stronger man and you have superior weapons. Somebody say amen. That's you. Jesus is talking about you. You're stronger than the enemy. Amen. Greater is he, the Bible says, that's in you than he that's in the world. You are stronger and you have stronger weapons. See, the enemy tries to tell you, you will be on that medication for the rest of your life. You will be addicted to that for the rest of your life. You will have that pain for the rest of your life. You'll carry that hurt for the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you, God says you're stronger. You can beat that. I remember I was sitting in my office with a guy who was dealing, man, with an addiction and really struggling. And he's, he just, he kept shaking his head. 
Pastor, I just don't know, man. He said, you don't know. I'm, this is bad. I've, I've got it bad, and I've been dealing with this for a long time. He just kept shaking his head. I said, would you stop shaking your head? Huh? Stop doing this, man. Start doing this, right? I can beat this. I can defeat this. Amen? You have to believe God has equipped you to defeat strongholds. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you about that. I want to give you just four ways, just real practical ways. We're just going to run through them today, right? Real practical ways of how we can defeat the enemy. And the first one is this, is that you have to take control of your thought life. You have to take control of your thought life. And that's where it all starts because if you don't take control of your thought life, if you don't start there, you'll never, never going to break these thought patterns in your life. And I said this, a stronghold is just a collection of thoughts. That's all it is. It's a collection of thoughts. Or you could say it like this. Watch this because I believe this is the analogy that God gave me. It's a museum of thoughts. It's a museum of thoughts. And it's not just a museum of past thoughts because, you know, museums can open up a whole new wing, right? They can up a whole new wing. And you don't only have the past to deal with. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to open up a whole new wing called 2018, right? And he wants to fill it with his thoughts. He wants to, he wants to put his artwork in that wing for this year. And see, I, I've, been to the, I've been blessed to be able to go to the Paris, and I've been to the Louvre Museum, and it was amazing. And do you know, you can't see it all in a day. In fact, somebody said, if you just spend like 10 or 15 seconds at every piece of artwork, it would take you like a week to actually go through the whole museum. You can't, it's so big. There's wings and, and hallways, and, and we couldn't see it all in a day. You know, you kind of go there, and you're going to see, you know, a couple things, and we're like, we got to see the Mona Lisa, right? we got to see the Mona Lisa. And it's like this big. You wouldn't think it, but it's only like that big. So just so you know, break your bubble. It's not some big piece of artwork, right? But... But we did see it, you know, somewhere from the crowd. We saw, there's the Mona Lisa. But, you know, that's what happens in our mind. Our mind is a museum. It is a collection of thoughts. Now, I want you to do this with me. I want you to imagine yourself taking your eyeballs, right, and taking them out of your head, flipping them around, and putting them back in to where now you're not looking at the outside, you're looking at the inside. And you're seeing into your mind and into your thoughts, and you're walking through the museum of your thoughts. And here's what we have to do to take control over our life we have to begin to redecorate. It's like you're walking through the Louvre Museum, and you go, You know, that's a beautiful piece, but what is that? Who painted that? It don't even make sense. And it's the ugliest thing I have ever seen in my life. How many of you ever hang something up ugly in your house for your whole lifetime? And then you get to a point where you go, why? Why has this been? I, that's, that was my whole childhood. We had a couple pieces of artwork. My mom's, I can't say this in the second service. You guys are only getting it in the first service because she's going to be here in the second service. But I used to always say to her, mom, why? Who, who decided to hang that? It is the ugliest thing, right? And so, but you know, it just happened. You go, well, we've just always had it on the wall, right? I mean, just somebody gave it to us one day and they were going to come visit. So we had to put it up, you know, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants to put his artwork into your life. 
Because after all, watch this, after all, a thought is really a word picture. It's just a word picture. You know what happens when we stare at a picture for a while? We meditate on it. We just begin to focus on it. And ultimately, we're going to live that thing out. And so what we need to do, watch this. It's just like you're walking through the museum and you see a picture and it's an ungodly thought. It's the enemy telling you you're going to be sick. It's the, it's the lustful thought. It's the thought of defeat. It's the minute the bill comes and you're going, well, now I'm going to have to live without, right? I'm going to have to do without. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to live meager. It's the, it's the first feeling of pain in your body and the enemy says, now you've got cancer. You're going to die a premature death. You see what I'm saying? That's the first thought that comes. And what we have to do is the enemy's hung that thought on our wall, in our mind. And so we have to be willing to take that thought down. And what, is this, what, is, what in the world is this thing doing here? That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3, you set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of this earth, right? And what I love about Romans, Romans chapter 12, because really redecorating is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And you see it in your notes, and it says this, you have to be transformed, and the King James, the New King James says, by the renewing of your mind. The New Living Translation says, you change the way you think. And so what you're doing is you're redecorating the museum. You're just redecorating it. Saying, I need to go back into the, my thought life. And I go, I can't meditate on what happened to me in 1975. I can't, I can't meditate on my childhood, that, that I, was, I was abused. I can't meditate on those things. I can't meditate on the fact that my parents were never there for me. My spouse walked out on me. I can't meditate on those things. Those are the enemy's pictures on your wall. And they have to come down. And that's why we have to be renewed in our mind. And renewing is just simply redecorating. You need to take that thought down. What is this doing here? This don't belong here. You know what belongs here? I am healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know what belongs here? I am free from the sin of my past. You know what belongs here? I am victorious through Christ Jesus. He's given me the victory. Amen. That's what belongs on our wall. Hallelujah. So we have to start by taking control of our thought life. And the minute he brings a thought of defeat or lack or lust, right? The minute he brings that thought, we have to stop and say, I refuse to meditate and stare at that picture. I'm going to stop staring at that. I'm going to stop meditating. I'm going to stop thinking about that. I'm going to set my mind on the things that are above, the pure, lovely, the things that are holy, the victory that God has for me. Amen. And you have to start by taking control of your thought life. That's the first thing you need to do. And then number two is this. You have to say no to your flesh. I told you we we're going to get practical today, right? You just have to say no to your flesh. You have to just say, no, no, I can't. I'm not going to do that. And I love Romans chapter 13, verse number 14, because it talks about this. It says, hey, man, you, you, you cannot satisfy the lust of the flesh. You don't even think about it. In the Amplified, it says this, don't make any provision for the flesh. And it, it goes on and expands in the Amplified, and it says, don't even think about it. Make no provision. Don't even think about it. Because if you think about it, what happens is, is you just let the devil put... His artwork on your wall, man. you got to say no to the flesh. 
And, and we are in 21 days of I'm going to try it again. We're in 21 days of fasting and prayer. And listen, if you haven't jumped in yet, right? If you haven't, if you haven't been able to jump in yet, you need to jump in. We've got one more week. And the last week, for me, is the best week. It's always the best week. I love the first week, and I love the last week. The middle week, Jesus, come quickly. Amen? It's tough. That middle week we just got through, that's tough, man. And my wife and I, we had some good days, and then we had some not-so-great days, right? But I'm telling you, man, we're starting a fresh ado today. Hallelujah. Man, we're going we're gonna, to we see the finish line. I see the South Florida Fair right there at my finish line on Saturday. I see it right there. I see it, okay? And so listen, but what's going to happen is we need to take the next, whether it's five days for you, four days, however you can fast, and what you're doing is you're saying no to the flesh. You just say no to the flesh, right? I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry, man. But I'm going to say no to the flesh. Because if you can say no to food, here's what happens. When the devil tries to tempt you with something you shouldn't do, you shouldn't think about, you shouldn't have, you can say no to that too. I heard a great story. I heard a great story I wanted to share with you. This guy was telling the story of the fact that he tore his rotator cuff. He tore his rotator cuff, and it was a bad tear, and he had to go in and have surgery, right? And, and coming off of surgery, the doctor prescribed him all these pain meds. And not only was the doctor telling him, but everybody else, every one of his friends was telling him, hey, man, those things are, those things are hard to get off of. I mean, they can become addicting. And so he's got all these pain meds, and he's taking the pain meds. He has to take the pain meds because the pain was so severe, and so he'd get on these pain meds, man, and he was just, you know, in fact, he said all of his employees could tell when he was on his meds because he never sent out emojis, and he's just like sending out all these emojis. Woo-hoo, you know what I'm saying? Like, the boss is on his pain meds, right? We're getting happy faces and hearts and all sorts of stuff, right? So then his, his surgery went well, and they prescribed him pain meds, and then he got to the end where he was out of his pain meds, Right? And he said, okay, now I'm coming to the end. And so when he's got in, man, the doctor was warning him. All his friends were warning him. And he just stopped. He just stopped taking them. Just stopped. Never thought about it. Never went back to them. Never was tempted to go get another prescription. He went in to see the doctor. The doctor said, well, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. He said, you're not, you're not struggling. There's nothing going on. He said, no, I'm good. And he said, but let me ask you, doctor, because everybody was telling me that these are hard to get off of. And then people are really struggling with these, these pain meds. And people, people become addicted to them. And it becomes habitual. And it becomes debilitating. And, 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 and it's, it's a bad thing. He said, how was I able to get off them so quickly? And as soon as he said it, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, him. And immediately said to him, it's because every year you start your year 21 days of prayer and fasting. Every year. He's been doing that for years and years and years. And he said this. The Holy Spirit spoke up to him and said, you've trained your body and mind to say no to the flesh. Whoo, glory to God. You see, that's why it's so important. Because some of you are going, well, I really don't need to fast now because I don't have anything going on in my life. And why is it so important to skip a meal? And why is it so, listen, you don't know what this year is going to bring. That's why it's important for you to jump in now and, and say, okay, listen, if you haven't been yet, every night this week, 
with the exception of Saturday, all the way through Friday, we have 21 days of fasting and prayer. In fact, let me just tell you about tonight. Can I just, can I just pause the sermon to, to give you a quick little blip about what's going to happen tonight? Bishop Tony Miller is here tonight at 7 o'clock. I'm telling you what. I told everybody... We're going to have facial recognition cameras outside as you walk in, and we're going to be taking attendance. We want everybody here tonight. Now, you're in the first service, so you're blessed. Why? Because you get a longer nap than those that are in the second service, right? So whether you're fasting this afternoon or not, if you go eat, go eat. If you're you're fasting, go fast. But come tonight at 7 o'clock, and then Friday night, Pastor Jay Pike from Oklahoma City is going to be here. He's never been with us before. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm so excited about this week. But also we're meeting Monday morning at 6 o'clock. We're meeting Monday evening at 7 o'clock. You come out this week, man. Come out and learn how to say no to your flesh. Listen, even if you're not fasting, you hear me? Even if you're not fasting, even if it's a day where you're not fasting or you're not fasting, still come. Come on out, man. I'm telling you, we've had phenomenal, phenomenal services every night. And tonight, I'm telling you, tonight is going to be incredible. So come on out. Tonight's going to be great. So number two is say no to your flesh. And then number three is this. You have to put God first in everything. Put God first in everything. And the Bible is pretty clear about this because here's what it says. It says that when you put him first, things just begin to line up. Line up in your life. And what I mean by this is, is what's the first thing you do in the morning? What's the first thing you do? And if it's, well, pastor, I check all of my social media feeds. Well, then God's not necessarily first, right? Because what you do first in the morning really determines who's first in your life, right? And so I'm not talking about going to the bathroom or grabbing coffee because coffee is very spiritual. But what I'm saying is this. Is at some point that morning, before you get involved, before you start your day, you know what I mean by start your day? Is you need to take time to give God first. He needs to be first in your day. He needs to be first in your finances, right? Because the number one sin in the Bible is not adultery. The number one sin in the Bible is not murder. The number one sin in the Bible is not homosexuality. You want to know what the number one sin in the word of God is? Idolatry. Idolatry. And I know we think that that's reserved for the Old Testament, people way off, and it's just Old Testament. No, it's 2018. It's still the number one sin that we all deal with today, is putting things before God. And in Exodus chapter 20, when Jesus, I mean, I should say, when God gave us the Ten Commandments, the first one is this, no other gods before him. He has to be first, right? Right? And so he knows that's for our benefit. That's not for his benefit. That's for our benefit. Because when he is first in your finances, in your day, in your time, your agenda, your goals, your vision, your life, everything begins to line up. And you'll never, listen to me, you'll never tear down strongholds if God's not first. You'll never redecorate the museum of your thought life if God's not first. He has to be first. So we have to, number three, we have to put him first in everything. And then the fourth one is this. We have to learn the great exchange of worship. We have to learn the great exchange of worship. And here's what worship is. And this is, this is what I really feel like worship is. Worship is when we take the things that we would put our love on, right? The, 
the earthly things. Worship is when we take, hey, man, I'm going to put my love on, on, on my, my money. I'm put my love on, on my goals. I'm going to take my business. I'm going to put my love on that. I'm going to put my time, my energy, my effort. Even good things like family and kids and, and even those things, right? Because God's blessed us and there's nothing wrong with having stuff and there's nothing wrong with driving nice things, nice cars and living in nice... There's nothing wrong with that. God wants you blessed. He wants you to be blessed. But if any of those things become more important than Him, right, then we've taken our worship and we've taken it off of God and we put it on those things. And the exchange is this, that I take my love for those things that should be reserved for God alone And when I exchange my love for those things and I take that love and I put it on God, it's called worship. When I come here on Sunday mornings and whether it's Sunday mornings, whether it's coming on a a nighttime throughout this week, or maybe, you know, it's it's in your kitchen table where you spend time worshiping God or it's in a back porch driving in your car. Worship is making the exchange. Say, God, you're more important to me. You're more important to me than stuff. And I love my wife and I love my kids, but they don't take God's place in my life. Did you hear me now? They don't take God's place in my life. Nothing should take God's place in my life. So when I come in here, my hands go up, right? My hands go up. My heart goes up. My voice goes up right? My eyes go up. Everything goes up. Because this is my moment to take all of my attention that I would put on horizontal things, and I send it up to God, right? When I do that, man, it's like I'm taking the idol of self off of my life. It's how we begin to break strongholds in our life. Would you do this? Would you bow your heads for just a moment this morning?